I don't want to get away from this presence that we feel right now. If you've heard the words of the song, you, you feel God's love and you feel God's desperation for you. The way I feel about it, I, I feel like he's in the house today to touch hearts, to minister to lives that He's reaching for some folks that need Him. In my own life, I've experienced a time when I didn't know Him, when I was just living life, doing my thing. I felt convicted every once in a while. But God was relentless in His love, that He wouldn't let anything stand in the way of touching my heart and my life. I came to a point where I confessed him as, as my God and Jesus as my Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I feel like the song is ringing true with some hearts in the house. Nobody's looking around and nobody's going to bother you. But I, I just want to give an opportunity for some people to respond. Yeah, it was a great song with perfect words, but, but that's God dealing with your heart. That's Him dealing with you even now as we speak. We're going to pray a prayer here, and this is backwards. This is supposed to happen later on in the service. But I want to give somebody the opportunity. If you, if you would like to pray a prayer and say, you know what, God's, God's found me. He's been reaching towards me, and, and today I'm going to reach back. We're halfway through the service. We, we're, we're going to preach and stuff here in a second. But if you would like to pray a prayer that says... You know what, I, I, need, I need God. I'm a sinner, I'm lost in, in my sin. But He's reaching to me and He's touched my heart today and I want to respond to Him and I want to give Him my life. If that's you right now and you, you're, you're in that place, would you just raise your hand and just say, hey, that's me, I, I want to pray a prayer. Is there anybody here in the house today that would like to pray? Just following the leading of the Lord. Is there anybody that would like to pray? God is creating a, a moment. He wants you to know that you matter that much, that He cares for you that much, that He, he loves you in such a way. He would not let anything stand in the way. Is there anybody at all that would like to pray? All right. If you would all stand with me. It's awesome, just so that you know that God's always reaching. He's always loving you. You know, there's sometimes when we're real busy, and sometimes maybe we choose to be busy, or maybe we don't, but we're so busy, and, and we forget, and we get down into prayer time, and we, we call out to God, and we feel Him, and we're like, man, I, I called, and He came, that was cool. But I'm telling you, God is there for you at all times. Whether we acknowledge Him or reach out to Him, He is in your life. And He is ever aware of where you are. And He's incredible. We're going to talk today about the triumphal entry. And we're going to talk about uh, 
the beginning of the week that would that would settle all of humanity. We're going to talk about that here in a second, but we want to pray over the service and uh, pray over the Word of God. If you would, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. It says this. It's 11 verses. It goes by, it, it seems like, okay, this is a triumphal entry. Palm Sunday, it seems like there's going to be a lot of scriptures and a big big to do, but really, it goes by really quick, and there's not a ton, a ton of stuff said about it. But it goes like this. It says, now when they drew near to Jerusalem, they came... Uh, I studied up on this, how to pronounce this. It, it's spelled, it, it's it's uh, the, the guy said the G is strong. It's Bethphage, 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 something like that. It says, at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately they will send them. All this was done so it might be fulfilled which is spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt on the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey to the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set, and set him on them. And the, and the great multitude spread their coats in the road, and others cut down branches and trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes went before, and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitudes said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you. God, and we honor you for reaching for us. And God, we pray that you would bless the word today, Lord, that it would go forward, that there would be no hindrance from the speaker, but God, it would go forward perfectly like you want it to, and it would touch every life and every ear in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. I want Nicole Locke to come. We are entering into the week of, of Easter. This weekend on Friday and Saturday nights, we will be having the play at 7 o'clock. Sunday morning at 11, we will have the play. But at 9 o'clock, we want you to know that there is a, a resurrection service at 9 o'clock with preaching. It will be a traditional uh, Easter service, and we want you to all come and be a part of that. And we want to invite folks, our family, our friends, our loved ones, the lost that we've been praying for. We want all those people to come and be a part of it. And when we get here, we want to put our best foot forward and be a blessing to everyone that comes. And uh, I've asked Nicole to come and share, and she, she wants to share a testimony with you and share her heart as we look to put forward our best foot and make the greatest impact for God. I brought my tissue this time, so hopefully I don't need it. But, you know, I have a testimony that kind of encompasses everything about Easter weekend. Um, not just serving but inviting others to come and how important it is to make sure that, you know, we're reaching out to people and asking them to be a part of this special weekend. We work really hard and it's really exhausting. And sometimes we just don't want to do it year after year. We have people, I was talking to somebody who has been participating in our Easter cantata for over 20 years. And that week 
up to Easter when everybody's on spring break, we're right here. And we're getting ready to pour our hearts into our community, to our family and our friends. Um, so I wanted to talk about my favorite Easter. Uh, three years ago, my family and I, we all participate in the cantata. So I have two sons, my older one and my husband. They're actually Roman guards who get to be a part of the cast. So they love that fancy outfits, the whole nine yards. And then my younger son and I, my younger son and I we play in the orchestra. And so we took advantage of a, an occasion to invite my mom to come to church. Now, we had asked her a lot, and she had said no a lot. Anybody have any family like that where they've asked him over and over and never lost hope to get them to come to church, but the answer was already always no. Now, mind you, my mom knew exactly what it meant to go to church because my parents were pastors for 20 years before they got divorced. So the love and the mercy and the compassion of God never left her, and she always knew what that was about. But this year, three years ago, she came. She sat right here, and I was up there watching her. And at the very end of our cantata, we do a cardboard testimony. And these are the most precious, anointed testimonies you can ever see in your entire life. And what a lot of people don't know is my mom was an addict. She, for the last 12 years of her life, just downhill spiral and completely lost her battle with alcohol. However, that one night, sitting right here, I watched from my seat up there in the orchestra as my mom weeped down here during those cardboard testimonies. And I knew that God was doing something in her life that night, that he had taken her away from a situation where she might have been in a normal setting at church on a Sunday, and it took something special for her to be able to sit and hear what God wanted to say to her. You know, sometimes it might take a, an orchestration of a huge cantata to really reach into the heart of some that we, someone that we love and care about. So after that night, the other thing I didn't know is I would never see my mom again because just a few short months later, she passed away. All of that health that she had had from her years of addiction had done its toll on her. But months later as we're planning her funeral my siblings and I found in her Bible where she had written the date and said that she had given her life back to Christ so we were able to say goodbye to her knowing that we would see her again and so I just want to encourage you you know when you feel like you've lost hope when you feel like there's not a place for you to fit in when you don't want to be up here because this is not for everyone not everybody can get up here and act and play and maybe God hasn't gifted you that way there is a way for you to participate in something that can change the lives of people forever. And I don't want you to be feeling like you're sitting out here left out, be it greeting at the door, working in the parking lot, cleaning the sanctuary up after the production is over. You know, we have to get ready every single night. But most of all, I don't want you to lose hope on your loved ones either. Use this as a reason to invite them to something special so that God can move in their life. But also by serving, God's going to change yours as well. So I really encourage you come see me. I'll be out there after service um, at the, the serve team table. There's places. It's not too late. So please do something to get involved and invite your family and friends to come. Amen. Thank you, Nicole. I also, I just want to thank real quick. Yesterday we had an Easter egg hunt that was put on by Missy Osborne 
and uh, Carolyn Perfetti, they spearheaded that with the team. And there was hundreds of kids and their families out yesterday at Sunset Park. They had uh, 15,000, 20,000 eggs, however many it was. We thought they would be in the snow, but they were in the grass. And uh, the kids and everybody had just a wonderful time. And uh, it was a beautiful thing to see the community impacted. Those folks have been all invited to our Easter cantata. They, the kids have been given the gospel message in a little booklet. And uh, it's beautiful to see us ministering to folks in our community. We also, uh, the pastor is not here today, if you haven't figured that out. Uh, but he is not here today. He is preaching the first uh, day of a revival in one of our sister churches in Kentucky. So he wanted you to know that he is taking care of business and that's where he is. So here we go. The scripture I read earlier explains uh, it explains what it is what's what's it like when uh, Jesus comes into Jerusalem for Passover. This is uh, just five days before the death of Jesus. And the, and the big the backstory to this is it's not just you know it's not just Passover that happened every year, but it was this is really the the crescendo. This is the end of Jesus's journey here on earth, and whether people knew it or not, it was going to end. He was coming into the city uh, that day, and in just five days, he would be going to the cross and, and dying. The story of the triumphal entry is big, uh, but it's only, like I said, it's only just a few verses long, but it's in its importance is endless. Maybe to the people, like I said, maybe to the people in the crowd that are cheering and going crazy and all kinds of stuff when, when Jesus was coming in, they, they were expecting something different, but the end of that was going to be a payment. It was going to be a payment, a fulfillment of God's plan all down through history that he was going to express his love to us and send his son Jesus. The Jesus was going to come in not as this uh, champion king necessarily that would rule and reign and, and slaughter all of his enemies, but one that would come in meek and mild and humble and would walk through a process that would start as he came into the city and walked to end at the cross. It was a beautiful thing. And I really have been thinking about a lot this week. And, and really, if you read over the story, which I have so many times, it kind of, you know, kind of comes out to me. It's, it's almost like a sporting event. And I, I've been to a few sporting events in my life. I just, went to the, uh, I just went to the Daytona 500 down in Daytona, Florida. And there was 200,000 people there. And I can tell you, the first lap as the cars came around, the crowd stood and everybody screamed. And I was like looking around people because... You know, I was four rows away from the track, but still there's, the crowd was so big you had to look around them. So I was thinking about it being like a sporting event where people are all crazy and stuff. But it, to me, it kind of came across, I almost seen this as like a, a fight or like a boxing match. If you think about the beginning of the boxing match, it usually, you know, you're in some kind of big stadium. And then all of a sudden, the doors will open at the back. And here, all of a sudden, here comes one of the fighters and the big entourage with them, and people are screaming, and the crowd is going crazy, and it's just pandemonium. Well, when I studied this and read about it, this is what kind of struck me, that this triumphal entry was like. Let me set the, I'm going to try to set the stage for you, so get ready. Jesus was riding in on the donkey, and with an entourage, there were people in front of him and behind him, and they're all screaming and celebrating and praising, and crowds gathered 
They come from both sides and gathered, and they left enough space in the middle, wide enough so people could put their coats down so Jesus could walk over them. They cut trees, cut the limbs off of trees, and I just see these, you know, these people like grabbing palm branches, and some of them threw them down, and some of them waved. It's this big celebration. At one point, I got this picture on my head of these poor palm trees just left with the stumps, so to speak, and all the limbs gone. must have been sad. But here they are, they're throwing these things down and there's a crowd and everything's moving. The crowd's in a frenzy. The the noise there is grabbing everybody's attention that's in the city. The buzz is going around. Going from one person to another that this is Jesus. The crowd gets so loud that the disciples are screaming out and yelling out about, this is Hosanna, you know, they're screaming out so much that the Pharisees are there. And they get Jesus' attention and they say, hey, Jesus, why don't you tell your disciples to be quiet? And this is where Jesus says, hey, if we, I tell them to be quiet, the rocks will cry out. So it's this big, huge uh, entourage, this big, huge scene. It looks like it's coming in like a fight scene. They snapped pictures with their phones. Everybody wore their Jesus t-shirts. Some people made poster boards that said, I love Jesus, with arrows pointing down to their heads. You know, they were trying to get Jesus' attention. But it's so perfect because really, you know, we talk about this triumphal entry and I kind of set it up like a fight and, and surely it was. It was Jesus coming into all eternity and facing an enemy that was not to be defeated by anybody else or by anything else. Every man was a slave to this, uh, to this enemy. Surely people thought that it was going to be different, that it was going to be some valiant champion and, and the whole thing was going to be played out a different way. But Jesus came in, and he took on the biggest enemy that every one of us had that maybe we didn't even know we had, and that was sin. The thing that was enslaving us and keeping us oppressed and down, the the Bible even talks about him overcoming death, hell, and the grave. It it was a triumphal entry. (laughs) The beautiful thing about it is we always call it the triumphal entry, and that's partly because there was victory already wrote. There was victory already uh, decided before Jesus took the first step that was just following through his God's plan and following through the plan that, that he had for victory. Jesus was coming through as the triumphal one. And what were the people doing? The people were really giving Jesus a king's welcome. The crowd was full of people that believed that Jesus w- was a king. They spread their clothes out. And I don't want to necessarily get us off track, but... but I want to share a couple of details with you. They spread their clothes out in the road and let Jesus walk over them on his donkey. And the reason why they did that was to symbolically show that, that we were going to come under him and we were going to be in submission. So those people said, yes, I'm going to submit to your, to your kingship. They also took the palm branches, they waved him, and what, by waving the branches, they were, it was a demonstration to show that, that they believed the king, that Jesus was going to bring liberty and victory they shouted hosanna to the son of david blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord they were acknowledging who he was but they were also giving blessings to jesus for his reign for his kingship from there the week made many twists and turns but the entrance here was just the beginning they were giving him the king's welcome the thing about it is 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 they didn't you know who knows what they were really thinking. They, they were thinking that 
that he was going to be the king and all kinds of different things. And it made me think through the week, it made me think about the crowd. Because, you know, the first picture you get is all these people going crazy and, and talking about Jesus and lifting him up. But I'm thinking, you know, there's a lot of people there. And, and, and maybe not everybody's, you know, exactly what they're saying. You know, people are moving around doing different stuff. Maybe they're not coming, uh, you know, who knows who's really in the crowd. And, and what I thought was Jesus doesn't necessarily look at the crowd and believe all the hype. He doesn't look at everybody around him and he's like, yes, you know, they're all turning to me. He knows what's going on and he knows the hearts of the people. He understands, you know, because it's not just about what they're saying or what they're doing, but he looks into the crowd of hearts. The ones that scream the loudest or the ones that are furthest away that, that don't know anything. So I began, to, I, I began to think about who's in the crowd. And through scripture, there's several people that are in the crowd. Number one, there's disciples in the crowd. The ones that Jesus has went to and called personally himself, they're in the crowd. There are people that are followers of Jesus. It's, it's said that the people that came for Passover, the people that were out in the country, the more common people were the ones that came that believed on Jesus, and they were in the crowd. There's people in the crowd that heard that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. That particular story had been told over and over again by people that were there, and they, they began to share. So people, when they heard Jesus was coming, they heard about it, and they showed up because they wanted to check this guy out. There were Pharisees, as we said, the Pharisees were ticked off and, and asked for the disciples to be quiet. So we know Pharisees were there. The, the place was, um, the, the, the whole place was under Roman rule, so I'm imagining there was Roman soldiers and maybe dignitaries there. It was Passover, so all these people were coming into the, the city of Jerusalem, not to mention the people that lived in Jerusalem. So there was a lot of people and not everybody was on the same level, or so to speak, in their dedication to Jesus. There was also people in the crowd that had heard and they wanted to be entertained. So they showed up to see what this was all about. There were people in the, in the crowd that were looking for a good laugh so they came and looked at this guy on the donkey coming down and all these people going crazy. And there were people in the crowd that were expecting a king so they went to check him out to see if it was him. Matthew uh, uh, chapter 21 verse 10 says it, there's a question there that says, who is this? There was people in the crowd that had absolutely no idea who Jesus was, and they were like, who is this? And I kind of thought about this, and there's sometimes, and maybe this sounds negative, but, but I don't mean it to be, but there's sometimes when there's this huge story that happens, and then you meet your one friend, and you're like, oh, man, did you hear about this? You know, And they're like, no, what's going on? And you're like, it's on the news, it's everywhere, and you don't know what's going on. This was the kind of situation, there was so much going on that there was people in the crowd that had absolutely no idea what was going on. So, what I want to say here is that when Jesus stepped in and all these people are screaming and yelling and stuff, Jesus didn't believe the hype, so to speak. Jesus looked into the hearts and the lives of every person that was there. There was people that that pushed through the crowd that said, Jesus, and reached for him. And surely he looked at them and caught their eye. But his heart and his eyes were on people at the back of the crowd. People up the street that maybe weren't even there, that, that were just walking by. 
his heart and his mind was really about people's hearts. You can do a lot of things with your hands, a lot of things with your mouth, but he showed up on the scene because he was wanting to save the lost. It really wasn't about the big fanfare and the, the big show necessarily, but what he showed up on the scene was is to die for hearts and be there for people, be there for the lives. He was there looking at everybody. There's no, nothing hidden to him, and he was looking for hearts. He, just as much as important as the person that was screaming, the person that was in the back was just as important. It was about saving humanity. The need of a Savior was the thing that everyone had in common. God's care and His love for people is what drives Him. It's why Jesus came and, and got on that donkey and rode down the street that day. And all those people that were around and the reason why He went where He did. And the reason why He did what He did was because people needed a Savior. They needed to have victory. They welcomed Him as a, him as a King. But all these people, but in a few days, where would they be? Even the disciples scattered. Matthew 23 and 37 says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stone them which are sent unto you. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. He was coming in to be a savior. And he could see their hearts. He could see into their lives. And he saw their value and he loved them and cared for them. It's kind of funny to think through the process, and, and this was just the beginning of what was to play out in that week. And it's just like Jesus to come how he did. I want us to think about this for a second. Jesus got on a donkey, which if you study it all or you, you've heard preaching before, you've heard that, that, that kings were never supposed to ride donkeys. Kings are more set out for huge, strong horses or chariots. And they're supposed to be pomp and circumstance and the whole city comes out and the, the whole place is decorated because there's a new king coming to town. But just like Jesus in his love, he chose a humble donkey. He came in meekness. And it's funny because if you look at it and think about it, to me what came back is when Jesus came the first time when Mary was pregnant with Jesus. They rode into town on a donkey. They come in the most humble of, of ways. There wasn't, there wasn't a, a fanfare. The city didn't stop. There were people around that you would have said, hey, the, the Savior's being born tonight. The King's being born tonight. And people would have been like, who? But the same thing happened when Jesus came in that day into the city. The same thing came on a, came on a donkey. There were heralding angels when he came as a baby and told the, the, told the shepherds where to go find him. And he was heralded as he came in, but from his people that were listening, like the shepherds were listening, there was some people that worshipped. There were some people that shouted loud, but then there were some people that didn't know at all. Jesus came on this donkey and fulfilled a purpose. And the donkey represented something else. It, re it really reflects Jesus. It reflects his personality. Because everybody thinks that it should be done a certain way. It should happen this way. But Jesus always took the lowest road. Jesus came in meekness on a, on a donkey and people could gather around him. They could reach him. They could talk to him. 
They could have access with him. They could talk to him. He, he rode on a donkey that was common, and it, it bared people's burdens. He, he rode an animal of in, indignation, so to speak, suffering. He came that way, and, and you see him. I imagine people were like this because he wasn't up above the crowd. He, he kind of blended right in with everybody else. And that's where Jesus' heart is with us today. And that's who he's always been. He's always been the person that would come right down into your life and love you and be right there for you and be on the same plane with you. You know, a king would come in and say, you better do it or else. A king would come in and move troops and rule and reign. But Jesus did something different. He said, I'm going to be the one that's going to be the sacrifice. I'm going to take the lower road and be right in the middle of situations of life with my people with hearts and lives of people that I love so much. It was him that was going to bear the burden. And he took on this, uh, uh, as the Bible calls it, a servant's, servant's position. And that's what he did for us. As he looked through that crowd and he saw those people, he seen humanity. He didn't just see necessarily the people that were yelling the loudest. But he saw every person there because they needed a savior. They needed him. Jesus moved in love, moved in care for us. Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins and also that we could have a, a life with God. Hebrews 12 and 2 says this, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, that low road, that low road, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the th- and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Through his blood, his blood covers us. We can now have access to God because he's taken his rightful place of honor. Romans 8 and 34 says, who is he that condemns? Now, now listen to this. We can all walk around and feel like lowest of the low. We can feel hopeless and feel down and feel every kind of negative thing. But the one that should be able to say, the bad thing. The one that should be able to make the big judgment says this. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. There is a, a screaming analogy of your value and of your worth. And what this story is all about is this. That Christ, it's Christ who died. It's him that paid the price for you. And furthermore, oh, he is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God. Who also makes intercession for us. He looked in the crowd and, and I've asked myself this a bunch this week. I said, what was the expression of Jesus as he rolled through all those people? And I thought about it a bunch. First of all, I thought, well, everybody's happy. They're screaming and celebrating, so he's probably got a big smile on his face. But then I thought, well, he's looking at, at maybe some people that are just in it for the hype. They're just in it for the emotional moment, but he can see their hearts. He can see that that maybe people are going to turn away from him. He's smart. He knows what's going to happen. So maybe he's kind of somber. But then I went back to the scripture that talks about it was the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross and endured the shame. I thought about that, and I was like, you know what? Jesus probably rolled in on that donkey and had a big smile on his face, and he probably looked at everybody and said, they need me. They think, they think I'm going to do this, but I'm really going to do the best thing ever for them. So I believe that he rolled through town with a big smile on his face. The cool thing is this, and sorry if, if that throws you off. I said the word cool, but I'll probably say it about ten times before we're done. 
And I probably already said it ten times already. Who knows? The cool thing about it is, is this. There's no crowd that you can pull together where Jesus is not interested in everybody's heart. There's no, there's no situation that, that Jesus is kind of absent from. He's here today in this place. He's here today, and, and barring it sounding kind of funny, he could be riding that donkey, so to speak, right here today, but he's in the house. He's here to love you. He's here to see you. And let, let me tell you this. You might have been shouted down, but somebody better isn't getting his ear over yours. You might have feel like, well, I blended in the crowd, and I'm just hidden behind everything else and every person else, and God can't see me, but I'm telling you, he sees right where you are. Even sin itself cannot make Jesus ignore you. But I'm telling you, he's looking for you, and he's looking for your heart, and he's reaching for you today. He's passing by today. He's passing by today. We all, we all have the opportunity. Thank God for the people that, that love him, and he's reaching for you. But thank God that there's people out there that still have an opportunity to reach him. He's in tune with you. What's on your heart today? It's not, it's not blocked, and it's not forgotten by him. Is it, is, it your, is it your home? Is there something wrong with one of your kids? Does you need somebody to get saved? No matter what those situations are, there's not a distraction that's big enough to, to keep him away from you, but he's right in tune with where you are, and he's looking at your heart. He's looking at your life. You can trust him. That, that whole situation where Jesus rolls into town, it's not just a big show but I'm telling you, that was the beginning of a process that would redeem your life, that would touch you and change you forever, that would open up a situation where he could be God in your life. You could have access to the throne through Jesus, that every twist and every turn of your life, you could call out to him and give your life to him, and he would move and meet your needs and speak on your behalf. He's God. He's God, and he's there for you, and he loves you, and he wants to touch your life. We, we're just blessed, we're blessed, we're blessed to have him and to know him, he's incredible and amazing, amen, if you're in this place, he's in tune with you and in tune with your needs, and he knows exactly where you are, and you can give everything that you are to him, if you're in the house today and you would say, you know what, I don't have a relationship with God, I'm not, I've, I just don't have a relationship with him, I haven't asked Jesus to come in my life, you know, I haven't confessed my sins. You're not a second-class citizen in this place. I want you to know this. I'm up here preaching. Uh, you know, it's a bit, you know, somebody said, "Well, that's a big deal." I want you to know that that I am nobody in a sense. I'm a, a, a lost sinner with no hope, no chance. My choices are bad. They're stupid. I've done terrible things in my life, and I am no different than any person in the room today that would say, you know what, I don't, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm exactly the same thing. The only thing that, that I cling to is that Jesus died for my sins. 
That's the only thing that would, that would make any difference. And it's, and it's not something, I haven't earned some badge or some reward or some title now that I can tote around so everybody can see. It's just, it's him that did the work. It wasn't, it's not me, it's him that does the work and brings redemption into my life. That's the only difference. That's your only difference. We haven't arrived, we haven't achieved something where we can just kind of ignore and just pretend like we don't sin and pretend like we're perfect. You're not, you're not, you're not. Forget that. But you're saved by grace. And it's not, not something that we can say. It's not something that we can say, look what I did. All we can say is, look what he did. Look what he did for me. So you can be sure that, that the eyes of the Lord are all over everybody in this audience. The people that are out in the lobby or people that are down in children's church. God's eyes on every one of them looking at hearts. And there's nothing hidden from God. There's nothing hidden away from Him. Somebody might say, well, that makes me feel weird and makes me feel bad because I know what I've done. <laughs> you can feel bad, but I'm telling you, God is not looking at you ready to mark you out. He's ready to say, Come on in, come on in, come on in. Today is the day of salvation, as the word says. If you would stand with me. I want to give you an opportunity again to give your heart to the Lord. To just confess that... that that you're not perfect and that you're a sinner. And, and that's all of us. But it's a confession that says, you know what, I, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And I, I believe that Jesus, man, he came into town that day and he was headed towards a cross and paid a price of sin that should have been my price. That's what Jesus did. But he stood in our, our place so that we wouldn't have to take that. He's purchased us through his sacrifice. Jesus walking by this moment he's looking at your heart and your life and he's extending his hand you have the opportunity to reach out to him you're, you're not shunned you're not looked the other way when Jesus looks at you he's just inviting you he's just reaching out to you with every head bowed and every eye closed every head bowed and every eye closed we simply just do this so you don't have to feel weird if somebody's staring at you or something because they're not Jesus walked down that road and he was paying a price for everybody in the crowd regardless of who they were, where they were, what they were he was paying a price he's done exactly the same thing for you if you are somebody that would say I want to pray a prayer to, I don't have a relationship but I want to pray a prayer to start one today i it's simply confessing that, yes, he did die on the cross. He did die for me, a sinner. And I'm going to give him my life. I'm going to lay down my sins. And I'm going to take up his life for me. If you would like to pray a prayer like that and start this journey off on a, what, a, what a perfect day to start the journey. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd ask you just to raise your hand and say, yeah, I want to pray. I want to pray. Is there anybody here today that would say, I want to pray? I want to pray a prayer that just asks Jesus into my heart. There's one. Is there anybody else? There's two. Is there anybody else?
God is not condemning you. He's not condemning you. Jesus died so you didn't have to be. Is there anybody else? There's two people praying. If you put your hand up once, you can put it back down. Anybody else? There's, there's another we see in the back. Anybody else? There's one more. There's four. Is there anybody else? You're not responding to a preacher. You're responding to what you feel in your heart is the right decision for you to make. There's four. Is there anybody else? Okay. We're going to pray. If you would, just repeat this prayer with me. If you mean it from your heart, you believe the words that you're saying, you're going to be saved and you're going to start a new relationship with him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. Jesus, you're that Savior. You fought the battle for me. And I confess it with my mouth. And I believe it in my heart that you did die for me. So I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to give you my heart. And I'm going to live for you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's celebrate for these four folks. We're going to pray, and I've got a couple of things to share real quick, then we're going to let you get out of here. But I want to just run something by you for this week. We talked about this triumphal entry, and some of the things that they did, I believe it's the same things that we should do as followers of Christ, especially be reminded of it this week. You've seen that the people there in the crowd, they submitted to Jesus. I believe that we should submit to the Lord in every way this week. They, they walked in liberty we should walk in the freedom that Christ has given us. We don't have to be down. We don't have to be in the, in the dumps. Well, we've been set free. So we can live and walk in liberty. They shouted praises. We can do that this week. And the fourth thing is they told people who Jesus was. So as we go this week, this is a very special week, a sacred week, where we remember the journey of Christ and what he did. We want to be Christ in this world we don't want to ignore him, but we want to acknowledge him, and we want to tell everybody about him. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we commit this week that we are going to submit to you. God, that you're going to be the Lord of our lives, maybe more than we have in the last few weeks, in the last little while. God, we're going to get back on track and be submitted to you in every way. And God, we're going to walk in the freedom that you give us, the liberty that you give us, the victory that we know is ours. God, we are going to walk in those things, and we are going to praise you at every turn, at every moment this week. And Lord, we're going to tell everybody we know, this is why I have hope, and his name is Jesus. God, I pray that you would help us today. Lord, as we are here and we enjoy your presence, God, we give it all to you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. The, the, the young adult service, the mix is tonight at 6 o'clock. We want you to know there's a couple of different bake sales in the lobby. We want you to know about the uh, play practice has practice at 4 o'clock. We want you to know that. And uh, we want you to go and be blessed. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful week. Amen. God bless you all.
Hello, hello. Hey, everybody, if I can get your attention real quick, we want you to know and be reminded that there's no service, no services this week. Sorry, I didn't tell you early, but there's no service, regular service this week, so you know that and understand that. God bless you. <laughs> 